Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and business women, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done, we're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I'm looking forward to bringing today's guest into the Author's Alley show. Holly Francis is the author of Life Support, the true story of how she turned her medical horror after the birth of her daughter into a crusade of helping others. She's a mom in a blended family of five and the face behind Holly after GBS on social media, where her recovery videos have inspired millions around the world. Holly's background is in human resources, but her passion is in GBS advocacy and fitness. Her book, Life Support, is a really good book. It really is, and it's an amazing journey. So with all that being said, Holly, welcome to Word of Mom Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Dory. It is my absolute pleasure. I would love for you to take us on your journey because you were diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome. I don't know if people even know what GBS is, so I would love for you to share what it is and then how you wound up being diagnosed with it. Absolutely. So it is quite the journey, and like I said to you prior to the show, it still blows my mind that I even went through it because it's just such a crazy story, uh, but it, it happened, and it, it changed my life for the better. This all goes back to 2011. And I was recovering at home and I had just given birth to my daughter, Casey, and I would have been 26 years old. I was completely healthy and life was just going according to plan. And, and I was just probably the happiest I'd ever been in my life. I'd, I'd wanted to be a mom since I was like three years old playing with Barbies. And I just had this vision in my mind of what life was going to be like. And when I, when I had my daughter, she was born and she was healthy. It was just perfect. It was like all the pieces of the puzzle came together and I was just so excited to start my life. And so we're at home. I live in Canada. This was in January and it was very, very cold here in Canada at that time. So we had barely had left the house. We were adjusting at home. I was getting used to breastfeeding and getting used to waking up in the middle of the night. And I had a C-section with my daughter, so I was recovering. And But I loved it. I just I was so exhausted, but just loved it. And I had all these visions in my head about what we were going to do for the for the next year. Uh, here in Canada, we also get a year off for maternity leave. So had it all planned out and I was going to go visit all my friends and go show off my little girl and we were going to go to mommy and me classes and I got this fancy new stroller and I didn't even get the opportunity to do any of these things. So within three weeks after having uh, Casey, it started with a very strange tingle in my fingertip. And at first I thought I had maybe burnt myself on something. It was kind of numb and tingly and I didn't really know what it was, uh, just tried to ignore it. And then a couple hours later, 
I mean, I'm, I'm wandering around the house with my daughter and I'm feeling kind of tired and, and achy and, and sore and kind of like you're when you get the flu and felt kind of just run down. But I mean, I wasn't sleeping very well, so I, I figured it was just a, a lack of sleep and, and still adjusting and so just ignored it. Uh, but then within like an hour of, of that uh, symptom, I got this weird pain in my neck and it came on quite suddenly and severely um, to the point where I was like needed to take some pain medication. And I remember thinking like, did I sleep on my pillow wrong? Or like, this is just really strange. And so then I'm going up the stairs that evening and I'm walking up the stairs with my daughter and I'm having a really hard time lifting my leg to get up onto the step. And at that point it was like, okay, like something's kind of weird here. And so I go on to Google because that's what you do when you have symptoms. (laughs) You Google them. And so I, I Google and what is going on? I've, I've got weakness in my legs and this tingling and, and it tells me that I have a pinched nerve. So that's what I think I have. And uh, I, I end up actually going to the uh, Medi Center, talking to a doctor. He says, yeah, you've got a pinched nerve. Just take some more pain medication. We'll get you a physiotherapist and uh, just go home. And so I, I go home and I remember everything was just getting worse like the pain was getting worse and, and the weakness was getting worse but you you believe what your doctor tells you and so I went home and I put my daughter to bed the pain got worse I took more pain meds nothing's helping by this point I'm in tears tucked my daughter in that night and I, I'm le- basically laying on the floor trying to do stretches and, and move my body around to really relieve this pain in my neck this severe severe pain and uh, in the middle of the night so this the hours go by and nothing Nothing's helping. And at about three in the morning, my daughter wakes up and she needs to, to breastfeed. And I stand up from the floor and my legs just completely buckle and give out on me. And so that was when I knew that something was very wrong. And maybe it was still just a pinched nerve, but if it was, it was pretty severe because it was affecting my ability to walk. I went to the ER and I had my husband at the time. I had him drop me off and I said, you know what? Just drop me off. I don't want our daughter being in the ER. I just want you to go home with her. We've got some, I had, I had pumped for her earlier. I said, just use that and I'll be home in a couple hours. And I had no idea that that would actually be the last time that I would actually step foot outside of that hospital for several months. Because when I went into the hospital, I was very fortunate that the doctor that saw me, he didn't know exactly what was going on, but he knew that he could get somebody that did. And he brought down a neurologist And the neurologist basically tested my reflexes, tested my strength and said, I think I know what you have. And I remember thinking, what do you mean what I have? Like, I'm, I'm young, I'm 26, I'm healthy, I'm fine. And he said, I think you have a rare autoimmune disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I couldn't pronounce it at the time. I remember not having no idea how to even say it and going, what is that? I've never heard of this. What is it? And so what GBS is, is it's a rare autoimmune disorder that basically uh, affects the peripheral nerves in your body. So it's very similar to multiple sclerosis. And how, how it differs is that MS affects the brain, whereas GBS affects the nerves, not including the brain or the spinal cord. And so all the nerves in your body. And so what it does is it, it basically uh, stops your brain from being able to send uh, signals through those nerves and so basically it's paralyzing your body 
And so when he's, he's telling me this, and I remember thinking, I'm not going to get to that point. I'm not going to be paralyzed, am I? And, and he said, well, we don't know. We, we're going to have to basically admit you to the ER and just see how this rolls out. And we'll see if, if things get worse. Some people are able to get better within a couple of days and, and they don't get any worse. But for me, sadly, it, it progressed very, very quickly. And I went from struggling to walk to no longer being able to walk, to being put in bed. My daughter was brought to the hospital to be with me and I, I resumed breastfeeding for a little while, but the pain just was excruciating. And so I was on a lot of medication, so I had to stop doing that. And within 72 hours of arriving at the hospital, the paralysis had actually spread through my body up to my neck and I could no longer breathe on my own. And that was when I was basically rushed to ICU and put on a ventilator. Unbelievable how fast that all happened. In your book, you do talk about how some people, it's very quick. It is reversible. You know, I mean, it does reverse Mm -hmm. for you. In the months and months that you were there, what was the hardest part for you of your journey? The hardest part was being away from my daughter. Even though she was there every second of every day, I was so fortunate that the doctors, they knew how important it was that we keep that bond and that connection. And so they brought a bassinet and put it right beside my bed. And uh, my family brought my daughter in every single morning to be with me all day and then left at, at the end of the night. And so it was amazing that she was there and she was my, my huge inspiration, but it was so hard to be in that hospital bed, completely paralyzed, unable to talk. I first had a breathing tube through my mouth and then the breathing tube was moved to my throat, uh, but I couldn't communicate and I couldn't move anything. I couldn't even reach out my hand and my daughter, I, I remember she would just stare at me. And she would just look into my eyes and she would she would study all the tubes coming out of me and she would reach out her hand and she would try to touch me and I couldn't do anything back. I couldn't reach out back to her and I couldn't say I love you to her. And everybody in my room was taking care of her and they were bottle feeding her because I had to give up breastfeeding and they were changing her and they were putting her in all of these cute clothes that I had bought for her when I was pregnant. And it was just devastating. And I felt like my life was over and I felt like everything that I had worked so hard for and everything that I had wanted since I was a little girl that I only had three weeks to enjoy was now just completely taken away from me. And even though the doctors told me, you know what, this is reversible and you can get better and you can recover from this, it was so hard to believe that, especially because there was no improvements for such a long time that I was just completely paralyzed, completely motionless, unable to do anything. And I'm seeing my daughter even grow and change and she's smiling and she's doing all these things and my life is just stuck there in ICU, not getting better. And so I became hopeless for, for such a long time. Did you get to that place where you felt like giving up? I did. I did. And I just didn't know how I wanted to fight so badly. And in my mind, I was telling myself, I can do this. I can get through this. But when you're going through the severe pain that I was on, I was, I was on so many medications that barely even touched the pain. It was so excruciating. All the medication was making me very nauseous. So I was throwing up constantly. And I just really found it hard to believe like that I was going to get better. The doctors would say, you're going to get better. But when you're not improving and you're not seeing any improvements for days and weeks, you just, you just can't believe it. And so I kind of just 
gave up hope. And I, I at one point, I, I asked my mother and I asked the doctors and said, like, I just can't do this anymore. And please just let me rest from this pain. And I asked them to, to shut off the ventilator. And it was such a dark time. But I mean, I didn't want to die. I just wanted to just to just stop the pain. Uh, but of course, I, I my family wouldn't wouldn't do that. They would never give up on me. And I'm so grateful for my family and the doctors and the support system that I had, who fought for me. And uh, they actually brought in another GBS patient, somebody who had gone through exactly what I had in the same hospital room and he had recovered and he walked into my room and he brought a sign for me that said, courage doesn't always roar. Courage is also the quiet voice at day's end saying, I will try again tomorrow. And literally that is my, that was the saving grace. That is the reason why I was able to keep going partly because of him just seeing that, you know what, if somebody else can go through what I did and come out the other side, he was a father and he was living life again with his children. I knew that if he could do it, then there was hope that I could too. And I had to at least try. And that sign that he taped to my wall and I would stare at it every single day. And when I was learning how to breathe again, which was the hardest part of my journey for sure, was learning how to breathe without that ventilator. It was like, it was like the hardest thing and you're, you're struggling to breathe and you're struggling to catch your breath and you feel like you're, you're not going to be able to breathe. You feel like you're going to die at any moment. But I would stare at that sign and just go, you know what, I can always try again tomorrow. And so that's what I would do. I just promised myself that I would never give up. Wow. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. Please think about what Holly just said, because whatever your why is, there is always a reason not to give up. We're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back here in just a moment on Word of Mom Radio. Healing Through the Arts, a wonderful creative program by Arte Gallery and sponsored by Visit Bucks County down in New Hope, Pennsylvania in February, March, and April. Join the team at Arte Gallery and showcase wonderful artists who are healing problems through the arts, whether it's a sickness and illness, miscommunication, barriers on cultural divides or racism and things. Everything is addressed through the creative process. Join us for classes, lectures, and beautiful displays of healing through the arts at Arte Gallery. For more information, log on to artegallery.com. That's A-R-E-T-E gallery.com. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Are you experiencing insomnia, brain fog, hot flashes, mood swings, and more? These are many of the symptoms women experience on a daily basis affecting the health of their brain and increasing the risk for dementias like Alzheimer's disease down the road. 
A healthy lifestyle can make a big difference for the health of the brain, but Brain Love Health took it further and created an innovative nutritional supplement, especially for women, to support us through this transitional time while also promoting better sleep and long-term brain health. Don't wait any longer to help your brain age well. Why let it deteriorate? The health of your brain is in your hands. To begin protecting it today, visit brainlovehealth.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And we are back here on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with Holly Francis, who's the author of Life Support and the Face Behind Holly After GBS. How many ways did GBS change your life? I don't even know where to begin. It changed my life in so many different ways. And when I was going through it, it was so horrific. I eventually recovered. I was able to get off the ventilator after 70 long days in ICU. I was moved to a rehab hospital where I I learned how to do basically everything again. I learned how to hold cutlery, how to feed myself, and how to hold my daughter, how to take care of myself, and then eventually her. I was able to learn how to walk on my own, and I went home after 126 days. And when you go through something so traumatic and so life-changing, it happened so quickly, right? Like I was, I was healthy and then I was suddenly in ICU. And then months later I was given my life back and I was at home and I was living life again as a mom and with my daughter. And even though it was such a tragedy, it gave me so much appreciation for my life and for being a mom and for just being able to do everyday things like being able to walk and being able to talk and being able to take my daughter out for a walk and to go visit friends. And so the gratitude that I've gotten from that, I, I don't know if I would have ever gotten that had I not gone through something like that. The bond that I've got with my daughter, again, I just, I don't know if it would have been different. Everything that we went through, it just made our bond so much stronger, made me appreciate every walk that we do. When I walked her for the her first day of school was such a blessing playing tag with her, just so many things that I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do one day. And to be able to live them was just, I just have so much gratitude for life and just realizing how quickly life can change and and just having that ambition to go after the things that you want in your life, realizing that, you know what, you you just have to keep going and you can't ever give up and not setting those uh, limitations on yourself. Because I did that a lot when I was in ICU, I, I struggled to ever believe that I was going to get out of there. And then I did. And so I proved myself wrong. And so now I know that, you know what, everything is just, it's just one chance away. And it's just one, all you have to do is just try. And if you at least try, then you'll, you'll at least know. What made you decide to write your book? Well, it was very hard to explain everything that I went through. There's so much more than just being bedridden in ICU and being paralyzed. There was so many different struggles that I went through and different triumphs and different things that I overcame and different experiences that I missed out on with my daughter. There was just so many things that were happening in ICU and so that people just don't really realize that happens in a hospital. And so I wanted to explain what that was like and I wanted to give people insight into 
not only like what it's like to be in a hospital, but what it's like to go through Guillain-Barre syndrome. When I was going through it, I felt like I was the only person in the world who had it. But then after I recovered, I found out that there was thousands and thousands of people that had gone through it as well. And I wanted to give other people hope. I wanted to say, you know what, I was in that dark place in ICU where I didn't believe that I was ever going to get out of here. And I don't want anyone to ever feel like that and not believe that there's hope and to just give up. I wanted to be that person that could show them or or explain my story of, you know what, I went through it and I overcame it and so can you. It's amazing to me because there are so many different levels of what GBS can do. As you said earlier, I mean, some people, they recover in a couple of days. I mean, you wound up paralyzed on a ventilator the whole nine yards. It really is kind of remarkable, the gamut and how unknown it is to the doctors. It really is. You know, it, they're experimenting along with you as, they are. as a patient. Yeah. 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 GBS is, it's, it's rare. It's not that rare, but it is rare. And so most doctors will never have a case of it in their life. I mean, a, a neurologist typically will specialize in, in GBS but um, your everyday doctor may never see it in their course of their entire career. And so when they come across it, yeah, they're just winging it. And and all GBS cases can be so different from one person to the next that that can also make it hard to treat and and how to to handle it because you just don't know what to expect. How did you get into fitness after GBS? So I started obviously doing physiotherapy and and I had to do intense physiotherapy for uh, quite a few months after I got out of the hospital, just strengthening my body. I lost over 30 pounds of muscle when I was hospitalized and had to regain all that back. And so doing these exercises, I just, I realized how much better it made me feel and it helped with pain and it helped with fatigue. I was very exhausted And it helped a lot with my overall mindset, just with, you know, I just realized, you know what, we're so much stronger than we realized because every exercise that I would try, I would think, I don't know if I can do this. And then over time, I would promise myself I would just keep trying. That courage doesn't always work. uh, I just stuck it out in my mind and I kept trying and over time I would get stronger and stronger and eventually I could do all these exercises. And I felt really fell in love with fitness and, and realized, you know, I just wish that other people would just try and and put themselves out there to to try these exercises and regain strength, especially for GBS survivors when they've gone through something like I have, that you just have to at least try. One of the quotes that you had in there, one of the motivation signs was somewhere someone is doing something that seems impossible. And that was during you, when you were moved to rehab, that that sign was now your motivational sign. And they're the two things that really stuck with me because it really is true when we think, I can't do it, I can't. Somewhere, someone is doing something that seems impossible. I have that sign actually in my basement. I have a gym in my basement now and I have that same sign plastered on the wall because it's so true. Like you just, you don't realize Somebody else has done it, and we have to have that hope for ourselves and that belief that we can so that we can at least try. I love that. What made you get involved with the GBS Foundation? 
So the GBS Foundation here in Canada, it was a godsend when we were going through what I was going through. Uh, my family obviously had never heard of GBS either. The doctors had connected with us to them and they gave us resources and support. And so I knew immediately once I recovered that I wanted to connect with them and find out just how I could help. I just knew that, you know, I had GBS for a reason and I wanted to bring awareness to it and I wanted to share my story and I wanted to inspire others just with my story of complete paralysis to complete recovery and to show people that, you know what, if I can go from the darkest of the darkest that you do not believe that you're ever going to get better to where I am now, that there's hope for everybody. And so I got involved with the GBS Foundation, started volunteering with them at first running awareness campaigns and putting on uh, walk and rolls and just raising funds and doing conferences. And eventually I uh, joined the board of directors. Just, it's been an amazing journey getting to meet people all over the world, people that feel like family when you meet them because they've gone through the same thing that you have and, and maybe not exactly the same, but in some shape or form. And we just have this connection and and it's amazing. I've been to an ICU many, many times hardest part is walking in there and knowing that, you know, I was there too, but just being that hope for another family is, it has been so rewarding. That was very touching. You share that in your book, the first time you walked in and just how your heart racing and everything else, because PTSD has to come back of, whoa, and how fast, because it really was, it was just so fast. From going from, you know, oh, yeah, it's a pinched nerve to a couple of days later, you're on a ventilator. It was very jarring, but such an inspirational story. It just really is. And it's it's well written and it's very honest. It really is. It's very honest. And you really didn't hold back. And I really encourage people to read the book because it's very inspirational. As we're wrapping up, what do you want to leave our listeners with, Holly, and how can they reach out to you? I want to leave that, that courage doesn't always roar sign. I mean, that quote, I've used that for so many things in my life. Those days where, you know, I've still gone through a lot of struggles. I've gone through a divorce and I've gone through work challenges and just, you know, life is hard, but I've got that sign on my wall and, and on the hardest days when you think, you know what, I, I just can't do this anymore and I'm just done and I'm just exhausted. Allow yourself to rest. And then promise yourself that you'll get back into it and you'll try again tomorrow. And, and I always say, it doesn't have to be tomorrow. You know what? You, you do you and you take the, breath or the, the break that you need. If you need to rest for several days, several weeks, but just promise that eventually you'll get back up again and you'll try again. Love it. How can people reach out to you, Holly? So my website is hollyaftergbs.com. Uh, they can, you can reach out to me through there, or you can send me an email. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube. I'm kind of all over the place. Wherever you uh, hang out, I will be. All of Holly's links are going to be live. There'll be a live link to her show. And I'm going to leave you with that quote. Courage doesn't always roar. It's also the soft voice at day's end. I'll try again tomorrow. What a fabulous quote. It really is. And something that I'm going to put up on my wall because it is a marvelous quote. Holly, thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey with us. Quite a story and one that should be, I'm I'm glad you're telling it. And I'm glad you keep telling it because people need to hear it. So thank you. And for all of you tuning off, my pleasure. Really, really. I'm so glad I like to read. That was a, a wonderful book to read. 
So for all of you tuning in, thanks for being with us. We're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She